Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's podcast is kindly sponsored by Who Knows Wins. This is a new social sports game where mates, family and colleagues pit their wits for real money. Use the free app to play directly against your pals in your own custom league or join the thriving community of players in one of our existing competitions like this week's Pick 10 League with a guaranteed £6,000 prize fund. Keep on top of the action with live updates and bask in the glory with live chat. You don't need to get all the predictions right. You just need to get more than anyone else. Guaranteed winners every day. Download the app now from the link below in the description. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be. Welcome back to the same old Arsenal podcast for Men in a Mic edition. I hope you're all well. Hello to everyone watching us live. And of course, hello to everyone listening to us on the audio as well, on Spotify and Acast and Apple Podcasts and all the other mad-named podcast outlets. Uh, if you're listening on one of them, Hello to you. Four men and a mic this evening. We are back. Danny, how are you, sir? I am an owner of two washer dryers, 50% of what which work. Nearly got that wrong, didn't I? Nearly, nearly. But, uh, well, at least you, you've got two. I've got none. Mine went kaboom at the weekend. So, uh, well, I'm going to get Big Bob to chuck it in the van and take yeah, it out. Yeah, nice to, one, uh, nice one. I, I, it's been a while since I've seen Big Bob. Chris, oh, how are you, mate? I am fabulous, as pointed out just before we went live with my 1980s uh, headset and my retro top. And I've got to say, um, the the advert, just as we ran at the beginning, really, really good concept. But I tell you what really made it for me is your absolute stellar voiceovering. Mate. It's good, isn't it? I, I yeah. tell you what, mate, it, I, I, you know, I've often Natural. thought about it. I mean, how, how good would it be if, if in the future when you ring someone up? Sorry. Your caller cannot be can, cannot be reached at the moment. Please leave a message. <laughs> Genius. It will be good. It will be good, wouldn't it? Making his debut this evening on Four Men and a Mic because James has blown us out again. Uh, James has decided that he wants to go and watch Batman tonight. So uh, we're, we're going to have to have a word with him about that. Um, but he's gone to watch Batman. But making his debut tonight, it's a pleasure to welcome Guna Souls. Souls, how are you, sir? I'm good. When I can't complain, my washer dryer's working. So um, oh, <laughs> just go, go, go <laughs> one up on there. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure to have you here, mate. It's a pleasure to have you here, Danny. Watford v Arsenal. We're in the top four, mate. Ah, it's only a matter of time, wasn't it? We're uh, it's, it's it's back on. 
it, it, we're going to do it. We're going to finish third because um, Chelsea can have all their players taken off them and they'll be sent down to the conference to the next London derby for them will be uh, Chelsea Barnet. That's what I'm looking forward to. Third, it's on. Third, we're going to do third. No problem. It'd be easy. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful to watch. Every There's not a single thing about our team now that I don't like. That I like the attacking. I now swear when they score. How, it wasn't even that long ago when Arsenal would score. And I'd sit there and go, hmm, scored. All right. Make a note. Arsenal scored a goal. And I didn't give a damn. And now I'm excited as a bag of kittens, and I love it. It Everything. is good, isn't it? Do you know what? I'm glad you said that because I'm the, I'm like you as well. I am now getting excited. I can remember back in the day when you'd live for Saturday morning to, or Saturday afternoon to come around, football back on the telly, Arsenal playing, lovely jubbly. You'd be waiting all week to watch them. And I'm like that with them now. Look, okay, I know people are going to say, oh, you're, you're jumping the gun, you're jumping the gun. But what I saw... What I saw against Watford um, on uh, at the weekend, Chris, it, that was the closest thing to Wenger Ball that we've seen since um, yeah. since he's been gone. It was it was a fantastic display. Yeah, it certainly was. Do you know what? I can't remember if it was Watford or Sheffield United, but I took my missus years and years and years ago under Wenger. And it was one of the first games that we went and we sat in one of the upper tiers in the Emirates. And I said to her, just watch some of the football. Like when I talk about the great football, just watch the way in which we play. And I said, and when I tried to explain it to her, I said, watch how quickly the ball moves around. It's one touch football. It's bang, 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 ping, ping, ping. And I know we'll probably get into individual goals and stuff like that, but... As soon as we, when we scored that third goal, the Martinelli one, which was Arteta little throw to uh, Saka to throw to Erdegaard, one touch. <laughs> or sorry, said to Cedric, one touch. Erdegaard, one touch. Lacazette, one touch. Martinelli, one touch. I like Danny. I jumped up off my seat on the sofa and I pumped the air and I just turned to my wife and I went, "That's when that's vengeable." Do you remember when I? I said, "Do you remember when I took you all those years ago and we won three 0 and Riziki had an absolute blinder and we were doing one touch football?" And she was like, "No." I said, yes, you do. I don't remember football matches, Chris. And I said, well, that was Wenger ball. And she went, all right. <laughs> that's what it felt like. It was good. <laughs> Trying to explain to your, to, to your wife what Wenger ball is. I love it. I love it. Souls, man, it's been a while since we've uh, hooked up. It's been a while since we've spoken. Um, mate, I mean, it's, it's, it's looking good at the moment, isn't it? It's looking very, very good. What, what was your take on the game uh, at the weekend? No, I agree with the panel here. Um, it's, it's, we're finally starting to celebrate the goals. And I know it sounds a bit ludicrous with fans. Why aren't we celebrating goals? But it was just, we were watching it in the motions. We're like, oh, okay, we scored. Okay, it's 1-1. Because we never thought we'd win. Like, even though we were like 1-0 up, 2-0 up, 3-0 up, we'd always be like, there's always a calamity in the back. But now, even though that get, I mean, to be fair, Watford could have gone that way. But um, it's what... A lot of like sort of the Arteta inner, should we say, we're talking about in terms of what he's trying to implement. And once he gets his players, as a lot of people say, um, this is what we're starting to see. And today, I think Watford really showed that sort of tenacity to just be able to create something out of nothing. And they are a tough team. They're fighting relegation. They've got firepower. Yeah, there was a few players missing, but wow, that like that took back the times, especially, you know, the, the Arteta moment. I was like... That that's why we're playing so good because he's urgent. He's he's being mm -hmm. urgent and he's 
that transpires to the players. They're now being urgent. And now we're not dropping the line. We're not defending after 1-0. We're going for it. And normally when we get that sort of wake-up call at the very beginning, sort of 30 seconds in, luckily offside, our heads would have dropped. And we may have slipped up and given way many more mistakes. Imagine how it's Mustafi doing it. Or like Socrates. Like the times have turned. And it's exciting because we're talking about possibly finishing top three when at the beginning of the season, we were all talking about top eight, or we'll be lucky to get the Conference League, we'll be lucky to get Europa League. Let's just worry about Europa League and how we're going to do that. And now we're, we're talking about at the back end of the season to, to let's go get Chelsea now. That is yeah. unbelievable stuff. Absolutely. Dan, I mean, me and De- me and Lee were talking about it last night on and on the podcast last night that we did. And, um, you know, Lee was saying, right, we're in the top four now. Let's forget about top four. We, we need to be trying to catch Chelsea now. Um, and I said, you know, get your, we'll get your opinion on it. I said to Lee, you know, I don't think there's not one player in the dressing room that's that's going to settle for fourth. Um, Arteta seems to have instilled this mentality in them all um, that, you know, they can go and win any game. Um, I, I, I back them to beat anyone at the Emirates. And I back them to beat Leicester and I'm going to back them to beat Liverpool. Um, yes, it's going to be a very tough game, but I really believe, and again, that is something that's come back into me now as well, that I actually believe, when I look at the fixtures now, I actually believe, yeah, we can beat Leicester, yeah, we can beat we can beat Liverpool. I mean, it's, it, people must think I'm crackers. Beat Liverpool? They <laughs> they can be beaten. They, they're very, very beatable, and I think we've got the kind of team to do it. Well, the kind of role that we're on at the moment, four wins in a row, um, we've been through stages. It's like if you send Mr. Muscle to the gym, he's not going to have perfect uh, arms and legs and body all in one go, is it? We, we've kind of we've, we've um, sorted out our uh, our attack and then sometimes the attack goes away and then we sort out our defence and keep clean sheets and sometimes that goes away. And like, the reason we've let four goals in in two games, I mean, some have been calamity errors and doesn't matter. We're not the perfect team. We are going to make mistakes. We could lose to Liverpool. We could lose to Leicester. doesn't make any difference. We're still headed in the right direction. And those teams above us can look back at the 1998 season, the 97-98 season when Man United were what, like 18, 11, 12, 15 points clear, and they were looking behind them. All these teams are going to be looking behind. They're going to go, Arsenal have got 15, 14 league games to go. They've got League Cup, um, League Nope, they've got FA Cup games. Two of them are going to, two of those two of the big ones are going to be in the FA Cup final. And they've, they've got their European games. They've got so much on their plate. And Arsenal are going, yeah, we're, we're playing every Saturday. Then we're putting our feet up, going to buy for the weekend, uh, for the midweek. And no injuries, very small squad. There's hardly, and when, when I did the preview show, I said to, um, to our Josh, went, well, it's not really point, any point in talking about who's playing, is it? Because we know who's going to play. The only questions are Martinelli or Smith Rowe and uh, Tommy Ashu or Cedric. Everything else picks itself. Everybody knows what they're doing. Everybody's pointed in the same direction and everything's working. But there are going to be hiccups. We are not going to win every single we can, but we might not win every single game for the rest of the season. And when, when it does go, people should go, fair enough, it's a learning curve. We're more We're more going forward. Than we are going. Remember the old days, we'd we'd it'd be one step forward, three or four backwards. Yeah. Usually watching them like the souls are saying, watching Mustafi sliding in for a ball when there was absolutely no need to do that, or watching Socrates having no idea which way he should be facing. Those days are gone. We're headed forward. Everything's getting better and everything's looking fantastic. But people, when it does go wrong, just go fair enough. Never mind. Bad day. We move, as FK says. We move. We move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good old FK. Yeah, we move. <laughs> Um, Chris, you know, um, 
How we, I was watching the I was watching the Arteta um, the Arteta interview after the Watford game, and what struck me is, and I, I know I'm kind of re, I'm, I'm kind of repeating myself here if, if people were watching last night, but it's good to get the other uh, the other boys' predict, um, thoughts on it. After a great win, you know you're expecting Arteta to be coming out buzzing. Well, he was buzzing, and he was you know he was very happy with what he saw. But what struck me was is the way how disappointed he was about the mistakes we made. Now, if you've got a manager like that who's going to pull you, you're going to walk in. You're all, imagine all the players walking in into the dressing room. Yeah, great win, but sit down and listen. How important to a player to have a manager like that, do you think? I think it's massive, but you can't go too far one way, yeah. can you? you? Can imagine if you go full Roy Keane and like every single week, you know, people, you know, you're just telling players they're crap. You know, oh, we've won 12 in a row, boss. Doesn't matter. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And they start to switch off. And they become desensitized to it. Mm. So he needs to pick his kind of moments. And all of the best managers are good at picking their moments. Wenger, um, Wenger was, uh, you know, Ferguson, etc. But Wenger was a master at it where he would have moments. I remember, I'm sure it was one of the autobiographies by one of the old back four. Um, and it might have been Tony Adams said that everyone came in after they were losing or drawing at half time because they were cheesed off and they sat down and it was a 15 minutes of half time. But Wenger spent 10 minutes just sat down as they all sort of went into each other. And then eventually they all went quiet because they were waiting for him to talk. And he was just completely calm and serene. And then went, right, this is what you got to do in the second half. And it was calm. And there's other times where we've heard about the stories, you know, where Fabregas came out and said, I've never seen Wenger go. It was against Liverpool at Anfield. And I think we beat them at Anfield. And he said, I've never seen Wenger go as ballistic as he went to us like that, that day. And we turned it around in the second half. So it's about picking your moments. And so providing that he is picking those moments, then for me, absolutely crack on. And what I think it shows is a relentlessness to him as a manager and an acknowledgement that that felt like a very different game to an archetypal Arteta game. And the reason I say that is because that felt to me on Sunday like a basketball game and like we didn't actually have control. And so I kind of got what Wenger was talking about because, yeah, we were great going forward. It's a little bit shaky at times defensively. And it meant that it felt that we lacked a little bit of control in a game where he probably felt, let's control this. It wouldn't surprise me if, Arteta would have preferred to have win that win that one nil with a boring simple goal, and then nothing else happens for the entire game. Like you score in the first ten minutes, and then you just shut the game down because then you've got the game under control. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I can agree with that. Now one nil, oh, Jesus, a three one. I wasn't comfortable. What would <laughs> I be like at one nil? Goodness me. Um, Souls on the flip side of that, right? On the flip side, of that, it's great to see Arteta. Um, and it, it's great to see Arteta, um, you know, disappointed, even though we won. In a good way, it's good to see him disappointed about the mistakes we made. But on the flip side of that, how, how much do you think that these players are actually into this process, if you want? Because if you ask me, you know, Bakayaro Saka says, you know, they all know what they've got to do. 14 cup finals, they want to finish as high as they can. I mean, he's definitely got these boys under his control i think don't you a hundred percent um i think one of the biggest things is a lot of people said he can't handle the egos and you know sort of big personalities but for me i think a lot of people don't want to be dealing with big personalities and egos because it's not good for the dressing room especially with how we're sort of trying to rebuild and 
when you've got a team of people believing in what you want to do, they'll give you 100%. You know, one of the biggest sort of factors is look at Bellerin's attitude. You know, I hate to bring him back into it, but when he said that Alexis Sanchez trains too hard, like you're a footballer, your whole job is to train and play matches. You get paid, you know, multi-million pounds a year to train and be ready for matches. And you look half ready every single game you've played. So for me, and it's, and it's also the self-belief these players have gotten. Mm. So as much as, yes, he's criticised them, he's maybe publicly come out and said, look, I was disappointed in X, Y, and Z. But when you talk to the players and when you listen to their interviews, they've got this like utmost self-belief that they are the world's greatest players, like they've, that nothing can touch them. They're playing with fear, like with no fear and confidence that I've never seen, like the cockiness that Ben White's showing recently, like... It's, it's incredible, like the way Ramsdale's riling up, you know, rival fans and like the opposition fans. It's, it's in, and, and I think that all transpires. And then when you see like Ramsdale doing that, you're not going to want to sit there and not give 110%. Even as a play, as a fan, like, I'd, you know, from people that I've heard going to the Emirates, they've said it's never rocked so much. It's never been so good in United. And that all comes from, you know, sort of the players firstly believing in themselves, putting that performance on the pitch. And I think the turning point was for me, West Ham 3-3 because Lacazette came out and said you know we didn't listen to the gaffer in the first half and in the second half we listened to what he said and that's how we came back into the game and I think that must have been a turning point within the team or the people who believed in him because you've got your Gwendozis, your Aubameyangs, your sort of players that, they, they have this sort of problem and they've always had that problem so um, I do think once they started to realise that when we do what he tells us to do we're actually winning games and for me, if he isn't winning, that's when the belief goes. But as long as he wins and these performances stay up, those players have no reason to doubt him or to not listen to what he's got to say. And then when you hear like Leroy Sane, Raheem Sterling, you know, and the likes giving all the credit to their development to Arteta, someone like Saka is going to sit there and go, who was Sane in the Premier League, one of the best wingers in the, in the league? Who's Raheem Sterling, arguably one of the best wingers right now in the league? So why am I not going to listen to him when he's telling me to do this, this and this? And a lot of people telling like Martinelli, he hates Martinelli. Like the agenda came out because he wasn't being played. But when you look at Martinelli now, so when you first seen him, the development's there to see like the oh, progress yeah. and the improvements there. Like it's solid. You know, he, he wouldn't he wouldn't be the player he is without like sort of Arteta's guidance. Bakayo Saka getting 13 gold and assist contributions. ESR getting nine goals. Martinelli's like the third or the fourth, you know, under 21s with goals and assists. That's massively changed. And their belief that I think their performance is making them believe that what this guy's telling me is good for me and I need to take it on board. And I think that's all it is. And as much as they develop and they see the improvements, they'll keep listening to him. That is a brilliant, um, a brilliant point about the West Ham game, mate. That it really is. You made me actually sit back and think, bloody hell, yeah. It has been since kind of you know we. All right, we've had some rocky results since then, but it's definitely got better um, since that since that uh, that three three. You look at at the weekend, Craig. Yeah, it was one on one. He went and got the ball off of one of their players. Looked like he, he roughhoused him, fouled him, got the ball off him and passed it on. He wouldn't yeah. have done that six or eight months ago. Mm. He's, the, the development of our players bulking up. And like we've seen with Martinelli, bulking up. And it's not just about their speed. And how many players in the Premier League do you see wingers getting the ball and every single time getting past their man? If you're, if you're a left-back and you're coming up against Saka, you're going to be thinking, 
I'm not. I'm never going to win. It, put two or three men on him. He'll go past all of them, and then if and then he'll get the ball to Odegaard, who also do the same thing. And Martinelli hasn't quite refined that yet, but Martinelli's headed down the same way. And it's all through all that development is through because like with Arteta. Chris, anything to add on that, mate? The development of the players under Mikel Arteta. I think the um, the it was cleverly, wasn't it, that got bowled off the ball by Saka in the lead yeah. up to to that goal and. I think what we're seeing is just a natural evolution of when you've got a, a young side that are growing and it all felt a little bit, I don't want to say stunted, but it felt at times awkward at the beginning of the season. And we were told, you know, give these guys time because they're only just playing together. And we're seeing the fruits of that labour. I've seen somebody in the chat say, are you guys a little bit worried about Champions League next season? If we get it, I mean, you know. I've started that question. I've started that question. We'll come to oh, that. We'll come sorry. to that. That's all, all right. right. We'll That's all right. right. <laughs> can, I, can I just address it? I'm going to just address it now anyway and just throw you off script, mate. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Well, um, okay. All right, right, right. One sec, one sec, one sec. Here you go. Question in from Brad Richardson, Chris. This might be a good one for you, actually. Um, <laughs> you've got no answer. I don't know. <laughs> are any of the panel slightly nervous that Champions League football may be a little too soon? The money is great, but we haven't beaten any of the big boys yet. And it's a bloody good question. Thank you very much, Brad. Um, so, thank you very much, so, indeed. In response to Brad there, because this is interesting, these players are growing and they're growing together. Then they're already not the players that were as a unit that you know we didn't scrape. We were better. We bettered Norwich in that first game after the uh, international break in September, and we scraped through a one nil, um, and we scraped through a one nil against Burnley as well. And it all felt a little bit disjointed at times. But I was kind of okay with that because they're building. That was them then. This is this Arsenal team now. I know that it's not a linear progression, but if you're looking at how this team is evolving, when we get to this time next season, we're going to have a better Saka, a better Smith-Rowe, a better Erdegaard, a better Ben White, a better Gabriel, hopefully a Saliba. We're going to have uh, this Matt Turner in reserve to, to try and chase down um, Aaron Ramsdale in his position. We're going to have Nuno Tavares, who's hopefully got better with the competition with Tierney. Tierney's also up in his game as a result. We probably should have an upgrade on Xhaka. We definitely should have an upgrade on Lacazette. You know, you've got Martinelli will be a year better and stronger in his body. So the evolution of these players which is combined with their increasing physicality and the fact that we will physically need to add to the squad because of players leaving I only see this as a positive so I see the growth of the players how they're they're growing in stature in confidence and physicality all linked to how we can make it successfully in the Champions League with a squad because let's not forget you don't always play Milan, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Man City in the group stages, you know, there'll be some group stage games which we'll look at and say, maybe there's some options for rotation there. You know, we didn't, when we were in the Champions League, we didn't play our best team every single uh, Champions League game. So mm. in, in the group stages. So I think there's there's going to be options there. I'm less worried, but of course, we have to address that when it happens. Hopefully, touch wood, it can happen. Yeah. I mean, obviously... <sighs> The qu does it, do I think it's too early for this team to be competing in the Champions League? I'm, I've always said that if you're good enough, if you're good enough to qualify for it, then you're good enough to be in it. In my opinion, whether we go, you know, whether we go on and and, and a, a go on a run on it, what worries me is obviously past Champions Leagues when we get in the group stage, you know, we win the group stage and then we get a Bayern Munich, we get a Barcelona, we get you know, and we get tanked, and and that's Champions League gone. Um, 
Mem's put up a brilliant video there the other day of uh, the Bayern Munich game at, at the Emirates when they spanked us 5 0. The defending, Mustafi, sort of, yeah, it was Mustafi was just a statue, an absolute statue. And, and, and it was just shocking. Now, yes, we've gotten better in defence with Tierney, with, with Gabriel, with Ben White, and Tommy Yasu. Souls. In the Champions League, going forward, I'm not worried. In the Champions League, at the back, are those four ready for Champions League football? It's always a tough one. Um, but when you're looking at sort of structures and tactics and whether they can deploy them, I feel like we've solidified our defence. We've got the third most clean sheets in the league, um, just behind, obviously, Liverpool and Man City. No surprises there. Um, you know, a lot of people gave a lot of plaudits to Tuchel and his defensive methods and, you know, Mendy for being a rock at the back. And we've got a better defensive record than they do. When you look at, you know, sort of the qualms or the sort of concerns people had about Ben White, he's blown that out, you know, out the water, really. When you look at aerial duels, when you look at dominance in terms of tackles and stand tackles, and even when you look at just the structure, when we look at other sort of Champions League competing teams, you see certain profile of defenders, you know, sort of one is your dominant, which is Gabriel in this case, someone who's going to fight, rough up your, you know, sort of attackers and deal with the sort of physicality of, of it. Then you've got your sort of pacey, you know, sort of sweeper defender, who's your Ben White, you know, who's going to be the ball progressor, who's going to, you know, make sure that he's in behind just in case when Gabriel does step up, that he's got the pace to recover. And that's your sort of like, when when I always use the analogy is PK Poyle, you know, when I use, you know, John Stones or, you know, your Ruben Neves, your Ruben Diaz, sorry, like they're the two defenders. Why? You've got one that's colossal, that's phys physical, then you've got one that's there to ball progress and obviously, you know, sort of just be a bit more pacey and to recover. You've got Varane and Ramos who had different roles. So we are building a defense in the mold to be, you know, sort of champions, to be um, sort of even European champions. And, and that's why I'm not concerned. Of course, the quality is now what we need to be asking, whether they're good enough to sort of compete against your Lewandowski's, your Luis Suarez, your Messi's, your Mbappe's, and obviously the super teams that we're going to be coming across. But I think that's an expectation thing. And whether we're going into it knowing we can win it, of course, you go into every competition thinking you can win. But there's got to be a realistic expectation that, okay, if the group stage is a fairly easy one, we want to be at least getting out of it. But at the same time, there's a flip argument. Being in the Champions League brings you players that are Champions League quality. Yeah. And for me, if, let's say, Gabriel isn't to be good enough or Ben White isn't to be good enough, we can get a centre-back that is good enough because what's stopping them from joining Arsenal? We've got the history. We're one of the biggest clubs in England. And now we've got Champions League. The only thing that stopped us from getting Vlahovic was the third point, which is we didn't have Champions League or we couldn't guarantee Champions League football. And that's why he went to Juventus over Arsenal. And that's why he was contemplating whether he wanted to go to Spurs because of how they've done recently in the Champions League. So for me, if if we don't have the quality now, being in that competition will attract that quality. So it, it kind of works both ways. And for me, I'm not that concerned because I do think we'll get enough quality in front, as in we'll get that DM or we'll get that midfielder who can then stop everything from coming to our defence and pressurising our defence. So there are, obviously, there's always going to be a reservation till we go into it because FA Cup early exit, you know, League Cup early exit, what's to say the Champions League isn't going to be an early exit? 
but we've got to adjust our expectations according to the teams we're playing. As long as we're competitive against the teams we should be, you know, on on par. Obviously, if you're playing a Bayern Munich or a well, the supposed Real Madrid that could be next season with Mbappe and Haaland, you're not going to sit there going, yeah, we're definitely beating them. So I think it's making the expectations real, but also understanding that the players will come in just by being in the competition. Yeah, it's a good point. That I mean, get, getting into the Champions League is where you want to be to attract those kind of players. And you're dead right. Absolutely dead right. Danny, too early for these boys? Or, you know, get them in it and let's see what happens. Well, we've seen the effect of COVID has had on football worldwide. There, none. There's so many teams are selling their best players. I'm just looking at the at the 18, the 16 teams that are in the, currently in the Champions League um, that are left in it. it took, Craig, tell me if you would be worried about playing any of these: Red Bull, Salzburg from Austria, Sporting Lisbon, Benfica, Chelsea. Not even worried about Chelsea. Atletico Madrid are having a terrible season. Villarreal, Inter Milan aren't what they used to be with the manager and the players on PSG, possibly. Bayern Munich, possibly. Man City, definitely. Ajax, no. Lille, possibly. Man United, no. Juventus, no. Liverpool, maybe. Real Madrid, possibly. Our team at the moment could take on most of those teams and either do all right or beat them. There's only... Which ones of those, Craig, would you be worried about that we wouldn't be at? Well, obviously, Liverpool. You know, you'd be worrying about playing Liverpool on a Champions League night. Um, Liverpool... PSG, Liverpool, Liverpool <laughs> Man City, PSG. Yeah, Man City, PSG. Yeah, yeah I mean, probably Real Madrid because they're top of the Real Madrid are top of the league. They're a good. Yeah, they're, not having, good they're not having a good season. There's so many teams. I think, I think are I rubbish think, now. I think the word worried. Rubbish. Would I be worried? Is the wrong word. Would I feel confident? I think would be uh, a, another way of. Would I? Would I feel confident about playing Real Madrid? Would I feel about confident? I would. Yeah. I would because I, I I I like I said at the Emirates, we I, I back us to beat anyone. So, and that's you know, before we strengthened in the summer with another two hundred million. Exactly. I mean, we're reading reports today that he's got one hundred and fifty million to spend, and he wants two forwards, um, a central midfielder, and and a, and a right back. But I, I don't know where the right back is coming from. I mean, he's got Cedric, he's got Tommy Yusu. I mean, is he thinking about a new backup right back? Is he, you know, thinking mm, is he going to get rid of Cedric? Who, going back to the weekend and going back to the last few games, Danny, I think he's been brilliant, Cedric. Just shows the thing that I've said for so long when we saw Laconga, where he played the first few games of the season, looked really good and then he didn't play for months and then he came in and he was shocking, giving the ball away, short passes, terrible. And that's because that was his first game back. The next game, I think he played again and he was much better. Cedric, exactly the same thing. Because this team is so tight-knit and small and he knows his best 11, you're not, you're probably not going to get in. And so when you do get a chance, because Tommy Ashu has been out injured, he had uh, one calf and then I think the other calf. And so um, Cedric has come from playing almost no games because there's, there's no European games, there's no League Cup, there's no FA Cup. Normally they're the game, you look a couple of years ago, all of these players like Cedric, they'd be doing the, the Europa League run so that we're not getting that. So he's coming in cold and it takes a while. I mean, there's, like we've always said, there's a difference between match fitness and fitness. You can be 100% fit and you could only be 25% match fit. And then he has shown the first couple of games he's a bit dodgy and people are on his back saying he's terrible, get him out worse. 
It always cracks me up when some idiot on Twitter goes, oh, it's the worst right back I've ever seen at Arsenal. Well, you've probably been watching football for six months, sweetheart. So maybe stop flapping your gums and, and be quiet and watch football a little bit more. But he's come in and he has done really well. And he has almost at times had a decent partnership with um, Saka down the right-hand side. So much so that we saw against Watford, most of our attacking was down the right-hand side. Tierney and Martinelli were quite quiet on that side. And so the, they're obviously doing what the manager tells them to do. And it seems like he, he likes him doing that and going down that side. And when we have had errors, it's not really been his fault, has it? it not not really. I mean, he was involved I mean, He was involved in two of the goals uh, at the weekend. So I think he's doing really well. And I, mm. I think, you know, credit to Mikhail Arteta for, for, for showing, you know, for showing some faith in him, really. Um, I know, look, he had to show faith in him because he's the only right back we got. But... <laughs> you, you get you, you get what I'm trying to say. Uh, you get what I'm trying to say. Next item on the agenda um, is the captaincy. I feel it a little bit weird that Martin Odegaard is the one that we've all kind of said is going to be the next captain. But Kieran Tierney, Chris, keeps getting that armband. He does, doesn't he? He um, does. This is, this is an interesting one because... The challenge with Kieran Tierney is that we're fortunate at the moment because we're only playing one game a week, but his body does never, whilst he's been in an Arsenal shirt, seemed like it can sustain regular football. And so I wonder if there's something there about that's why he may be, he might be a, a shout for the, the vice captain type thing. I don't really know why he wouldn't just give it to Erdegaard now unless he said, look, Lacazette's going to have it. I'll make a decision at the end of the season. Mm. Or is it just that Erdegaard is his first season and so he's still finding the way? I guess it really depends what type of captain Arteta wants. Does he want the chest thumping, shouting, you know, I'm going to represent you and I'm going to be I'm going to be the person to grab a player by the shirt on, on my team and pull him away or push him away if there's a, a bit of a scuffle going on? Or does he want that kind of Cesc Fabregas leading by example? Don't, you know, don't don't focus too much on me chest thumping, focus more on how, you know, what I can do with the football and and lead by that example. I, I I have a feeling it'll be Erdegaard as well next next summer. I just feel like he's captain of Norway. You know, he's growing in stature every single game. And if we keep getting the Erdegaard that we're getting every week at the moment, he is an absolute shoe-in to play every week. Tierney's not because he's slightly injury-prone. And, and that's the whole reason, I think, why they brought Nuno in in the first place, isn't it? It's because they probably said to Nuno, look, mate, you're probably going to get 15, 20 games because Kieran Tierney body doesn't last a whole season yeah absolutely <laughs> hard to argue with that i just find it strange that martin odegaard souls seems to be everyone's pick um i went for him as well people were said oh i remember when i first said people saying to me odegaard odegaard but like chris says he's manager of uh, manager he's the captain of norway and he probably course, could be manager. Means, is that amazing? Yeah, is that amazing? A manager and captain, but that all obviously means that he's going to bring Haaland in the summer, doesn't it? Oh yeah, hundred percent. He's coming in, isn't he? Um, he's gonna he's gonna be the biggest negotiation piece on that. But um, now for me, I think he's quite a vocal leader, and and it's quite weird because recently I've I've seen Taney be more quiet, and you know, other than the sort of passion and the sort of chest dumping, you know, and all of that, and obviously when there's a sort of an argument going on with the ref that's when I see more of Tierney 
But I feel like with Odegaard, he's more of the general on the pitch that's making things happen, who's who's orchestrating all the moves. And 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 I guess it's quite a tough one because you do have because you've got two different sides. You've got one who's going to be sort of dis- like a disciplined captain that's going to make sure that you're not saying too much to the referee, who's going to be sort of at the forefront of every conversation with the ref and making sure that no one oversteps their mark. That's a tyranny. Whereas with an old guard, it's more like, okay, this is what the gaffer is telling us to do. This is the patterns of play that we're playing. And like, he's orchestrating everything. And for me, it's, I'm not too fussed who gets it because they both lead by example. They're both, you know, sort of respected members within that sort of dressing room. They both have an influence over players. And to, to a degree, you know, even Kieran Tierney, he's obviously won things with Celtic. You know, when you look at Odegaard, you know, he comes with a high reputation coming from Real Madrid. He's been in around that sort of dressing room, so he must have some insight to give. And for me, it's just who has more influence in that dressing room is who I'd give it to. And it's a bit tough for us as fans to realise who who is more respected. I'm not saying one is less respected and not listened to, but um, if Tierney can be that person, it's, it's a bit like the weird thing. I know a lot of people hate him, but it's Granny Xhaka, like, you know, a lot, he's got this weird aura about him where he seems to just be respected regardless of what he does. And for me, that's the type of thing I want in a captain where, you know, it's the aura, it's the, I'm not going to mess with this guy, you know, like, he's going to probably beat me up if I, you know, do something like that. I do like the Patrick Vieira, Roy Keane mold because you don't mess with them. You know, if they tell you to, to run and press, you're going to run and press because otherwise he's going to give you a boot in the lock in, in the dressing room, you know. And that's why I feel I'm more leaning towards attorney. But then it's the injuries for me. It's how, mm. like, luckily so far, he's not really had a long-term injury that we need to be so worried about. But that can always happen. He, you know he's a game away from that happening. And, and it's normally three months out, not sort of, oh, he's only out for a week, he'll be back. So um, it's tough. But it's it's a good predicament because yeah, there's Gabriel as well. There's Ben White that you can yeah. give a shout. There's Ramsdale that sure. can be in a shout. So it's it's tough. It's really hard to pick. Oh, uh, hello. Uh, for those who are listening on audio, Dan's cat has just appeared and is sitting right in front of his camera. Come <laughs> on, Betty. Here she goes. <laughs> it's not the first time she's been. It's not the first time she's been on the same old Arsenal podcast. No, at least she didn't show you her um, a, a secret place like my like oh, daughter yeah. did the other day. <laughs> Turned around, gave everyone a big flash. <laughs> Dan the captaincy. I'm with Souls, right? Because I love Kieran Tierney. I love his tenaciousness. I love the way he's offering out the Watford player on the pitch mm. <laughs> the weekend. He's like, come on in. You know, you know, he's offering him out outside. Um, but then I do love the, 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 the calmness, the calm approach of Martin Odegaard as well. It's a really, real tough decision. But Souls is right. It could be White, it could be Gabriel, it could be Ramsdale, it could be Odegaard, it could be Tierney. I'm I'm still placing my bets that it's going to be Odegaard. It doesn't matter. I remember back in the days under Wenger when we had at one point six international captains playing for the side. doesn't matter. It's not like the old days with uh, when uh, Tony Adams would be there under George Graham or, or whether it would be Kenny Sampson under Don Howe and stuff like that when it's probably the manager getting the captain in, right, what's going on with this lot? Because a lot of old-school managers didn't really get involved in training. They um, but uh, And then they would go, right, um, we're going to pick this, the team, 
And but now Arteta gives everybody a dossier. Everybody knows what to do. It, it's much like if when when we're doing podcasts, Craig. If uh, if some of us host our own podcast, if you get if you get cut off or, or you're sne- having a sneezing fit, someone else will carry on. We, mm. we, the more experienced you are, the more together you are. You don't need a, you don't need a, a host or you don't need a captain. Everyone knows what to do. So I think it's nowadays more ceremonial than ever, anything else. So whether whether you make uh, yeah, it doesn't matter who the captain is, you're not going to shut Ramsdale up, are you? No, very true, yeah. very true. <laughs> I think I think most of the fans, and I, I think I would speak for most of them, Chris, is the fact that I want the Arsenal captaincy to mean something again. I want it to mean you know the way it meant for Tony Adams, the way it meant for Vieira. Um, you know, the way it meant for Henri, Fabregas. You don't get it for your birthday like Theo did. Exactly. Yeah, I was just about to come on to that. <laughs> Theo Walcott got it for his birthday um, <laughs> against Everton, I think, wasn't it? Um, and a coffee maker. Yeah, and a, yeah. <laughs> and a dusty bin. But um, I want it to mean to whoever gets it, I want it. I want it to start meaning things. I want it, to, you know, you're the captain of Arsenal Football Club. I want them to realise, you know, what an honour it is to be captain of Arsenal. And I think with the two of those, we will get that. Yeah, I think what, what he's got to do first and foremost, which Emery brought it in and he's kind of perpetuated this nonsense about the five captain stuff. You know, there should be plenty of leaders on the pitch, but just there's no need to sort of say, oh, well, we've got five captains and we spread it around amongst us and all of that nonsense. No, don't do that. Just pick your captain pick a vice captain and say the rest of them are going to be leaders on the pitch anyway. So this guy is going to be the guy that's the embodiment of us but as a team, but we've got plenty of other players who can fill in. And when you've got the likes of Ramsdale as well, like, uh, like you said, Dan, when you've got the likes of Ramsdale screaming at you from the back, he's not captain, but you know he's one of the leaders of the team. It can only bode well. The other thing that I want to see is that, and this is a uh, sorry, I'm going to have to go match day fan on everyone now. Sort out the bloody program notes because the silly thing they're doing this season, where they don't have captain's notes, what they have instead is one person from the club does a little section. It's like, no, I'm a I'm a football fan. I'm a traditionalist. I want the captain to give me some thoughts. I'm like, I know yeah. probably, I know probably after time. They get somebody to ghostwrite it, but I don't care. I want to feel like it's come from that player's mouth. Sorry, absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Anymore, I, I mean, I can remember as a young kid. You can remember as a young kid when you first started going to football. You know, getting a program, and the first page, you know, you open it, and the first page is the manager, second page captain, yep. and then the rest of it's full of adverts. But like, <laughs> you're dead right. You, 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 that connection. The connection to the fans to the captain, you know, the fans to the captain, the captain to the team, the team back to, through the captain back to the fans is so, so important. And I think it's really coming uh, to fruition at Arsenal at the moment. I think that that fan, that fan, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, the fan connection with the players is starting to come back. And we're seeing that at the Emirates with the atmosphere, the way the team is playing, the way they're talking about the manager, the way the manager's talking about the fans, this, that and the other. It's all coming together. And I, I absolutely love it. Can I also just add on top of that, like when we're going behind in games at the Emirates, there is no groaning. Like the yeah. Wolves game went behind and everyone's just like, come on, we can do this. Come on, lads. I mean, it probably helps that, 
you know, it was 10 minutes into the match. And so there's a whole whole big sort of swathe of the match still to go. But that really is stuff that w- we haven't seen for years, mm. decades, maybe. Absolutely. Can we talk about the red kit? Dan, the red <laughs> kit. Red top, red shorts, red socks. Unpopular opinion. I quite liked it. Oh, you're wearing red now. Red is a colour I don't wear. I don't wear black. I don't wear white, and I don't wear red. Other than that, I'll wear. A, in fact, once I bought a pink t-shirt, and Sean said I look like a blancmange. That, that made me sad. <laughs> so there's no. <laughs> I've got a picture of it somewhere. I'll share it on Twitter later. Uh, there is no need for that because it didn't colour clash with any of the stuff that that they were wearing. Did I think they were black and yellow stripes with black shorts and yellow yeah. socks? Possibly. There's. I, I have no understanding why they would. I, I don't even know where they got it from. Because normally you mix and match from the rest of your... If anything, it should have been uh, red shirts with blue shorts because <laughs> from the third kit. So I don't know why they've got it. I don't know why they did it. I don't know what the need for it was, and I didn't like it. It, it put me off. Well, felt a bit Liverpool, didn't it? It did. A bit Liverpool. Yeah. Well, do you know, there's a there's a, a great stat about that kit. And I don't know if you were, if you were listening last night. Don't cheat. We've worn that red kit. How many times have we worn that red kit? You mean a general all red? All red. All red. Not... Including shorts and stuff? Or... Yep. Red shirt, red shorts, red socks. I'm only about 20 minutes into the show, so I didn't hear it. Um, didn't we play an FA Cup final all in red ones? Not Vaguely in the idea, 70s. But... What is the whole of the history of Arsenal? Or are you talking like a certain time period? I'm talking in the last. I, I said, okay, it's the last forty-five years. Oh. None. Three times oh. in forty-five years. Of all well. red. Yeah. Yeah. Three times in forty-five years. What's all that have about? You, have you got when they were? No, I'm not uh. that good, Dan. Theory. I'm last night. Yeah, they did, did, did left the designs. Um, New merch on Arsenal.com. That's all it is. That's all That's I can it, see. boy. Yeah, red socks, red shorts. Come and buy them at Arsenal.com. We're not getting paid for that. Red shorts. <laughs> Expect some bad news to release via the club at any time now. They've, they've, they've preempted it with some, <laughs> yeah, a new exactly. bit of merch. Exactly. Uh, Danny, what about Arteta's assist uh, for the third goal? It was quite good, wasn't it? <laughs> I think we have to look think, at that. Do you, from... do you think, looking back at it, do you think Watford have got a moan there? Do you, yeah. do you think they've got something to moan about? Yeah. I was, you've got to look at these things if, if the tables were turned. And I'd be bloody furious if, well, first of all, Roy wouldn't have managed to catch the ball. It hit him in the face and he'd have ended up flat on his bum. And then he wouldn't, and he wouldn't be able to throw it to him. But that is kind of um, a little bit quick. I know we told the ball boys, ball boys having the history of Premier League football, slowed games down, sped games up. People have got annoyed with them and stuff like that. But I don't ever remember a manager running out of his area, getting the ball, doing the quick throwing. If that, we probably wouldn't have, that led to a goal, didn't it? Because um, he ran, I'll he ran down the there, no, Dan. I'll just stop you there. I'll stop you there. He didn't run out of his technical area. Oh, he was actually just... standing where the ball went. Oh, so I didn't know that. I've my, not even seen their second goal yet. I was yeah, busy my, doing something. My look on it is that he would he didn't run to the ball. He was standing where the ball went out. But he was out of his technical area, Dan. He was standing out of the technical area. So mm. 
Manager yes, outside the technical area, throws the ball to his player. Player throws the ball, three touches, well, goal. We did get the double yellow when we shouldn't have done, so maybe they had a little bit of a leeway with this, and they probably they like called it. it the Arteta rule. You know, if you touch the ball outside of your area as a manager, it's the game gets stopped and get a drop ball or something like that, or you get told off for it. But it's, it's yet another Arsenal first that'll go down in the history books. Yeah, but absolutely. For Watford should feel a little bit hard done by because that did lead to a goal, didn't it? It did. I mean, I, I think Chris, if it was us, we'd all be roaring, wouldn't we? We'd all be, ah, oh, you can't do that. You know what? I'd like to think no, because like if it had been a Watford throwing then the ball boys probably would have thrown it to him quickly. So what's good for the goose is good for the gander, as far as I'm concerned. And frankly, I just think it was perfectly acceptable for him to just be chucking the ball. Um, at, um, if, if the ball boy isn't going to do it quickly enough, fine, I'll do it myself. We want to see the football on the pitch. We don't want to see it on the side. Um, so, yeah, I'm completely biased and probably uh, you're never. no one's ever going to change my view on it. I just thought it was a brilliant bit of uh, action. And I saw somebody or I heard somebody say it was a pre-assist, but I'm not sure it was a pre-assist because wasn't it sort of a pre-pre-pre-assist? So he can't even claim it as one of those uh, as, as one of those on his stats. Well, a pre-pre-pre-assist? I mean, the, the pre-assists started to arrive at Arsenal when Mercer Ozil was here, was it? Was, when he arrived, yeah. wasn't it? It was the... The Ozil teens used to say, oh, but he pre-assisted, he pre-assisted. Yeah, you know, I can remember them, Remember those days. What fun, what fun. Souls, what, would you, if that had been the other way around, what, what are you saying, mate? What, if that had been, you know, not Roy Hodgson, because poor old boy probably wouldn't have been able to, like Dan says, bend over <laughs> and pick it up. But let's say that was a North London derby and it was Conte, come, you know, out of his technical area and he throws it to Sun and Sun goes down the pitch and crosses it to Kane and Spurs score. Oh, in that in that instance, yeah, I'd be, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, yeah, we just conceded. And let alone how we conceded, I'd be like, why did we even concede in the first place? Like, But um, to be honest, like when I was watching the game, I didn't even notice it. Um, If I'm going to be completely honest, it was after when people pointed it out on yeah, Twitter, that's yeah, what yeah. I noticed. Was me. So, yeah. so I'll be yeah. completely honest, I, 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 w- I wouldn't be annoyed if it happened. Now, I mean, that's being in hindsight, but... Things go for you, things go against you. We should have got a penalty. That could have been a goal. So either way, you know, karma sort of balanced things out. So that's that's the way I see it. But um, I don't know. I think you just get your look and sometimes you don't. And Absolutely. when you get it, you've got to ride it. And and I guess like we, we, we do need to stop the conspiracy of referees sometimes because things have gone for us some in some occasions. Um, but yeah, I don't care. It was a brilliant goal. You can't write that goal off like for how beautifully Absolutely. it was done. One touch in the air and even Ben like was a bit oh, I can't even remember who their keeper was anymore but even he was like ben Foster, yeah. beat yeah. like he even he knew from his face he was he was diving the other way and I Martin and I was like nah fam I'm going the other way and he was <laughs> and you could just see it in Foster's face he was like I got beat like you know when a keeper like when you see a keeper say like you can see it on their face like nah that was just like I just got beat like there's nothing I could do that's the best goal for me. Yeah trust me as a goalkeeper if you know <laughs> as a goalkeeper you know when you're beaten and like there's just no not even no point even trying to go for it you're just like yeah all right you can have that one um Do you think you know that, that Arteta's <laughs> going to come out in the next game with a, a towel tucked in his shorts like a bartender to give the ball a dry down just in case it happens again <laughs> <laughs> then we know we're in trouble but he's the goals wearing, he's wearing studs <laughs> the goals that we scored against Watford were beautiful weren't they every single you know all three were absolutely beautiful. And I remember the third one going in. I made all my kids jump. I jumped up. I said, record that. 
record that <laughs> and watch that every night before you go to bed because that is how you play football. It, all of them, Dan. From the first one, the beautiful little flick from Odegaard. People are saying, did he mean it? Didn't he not mean it? Of course he meant it. Um, you know, the composure of uh, Saka to get in the box and lay it back to him. Brilliant finish, 1-0. The second goal, again, one touch. Beautiful stuff. Foster goes the wrong way. Uh, and then the third one to top it all off. I mean, absolutely beautiful. Arteta ball is alive and well. Um, I'm not sure which one was the. I'm just looking. Oh, Martinelli was the third one. The third one was just absolutely stunning. I mean, I mean they they tried to do the same sort of thing with their one, though, didn't they? And they they scored a, a stunner like that. But it's. Uh, I was saying, I Chan and Chan's mum and my mum were here on the day, and I said I can't remember the last time that we 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 scored brilliant goals, individual bits of skill, linking up skill, uh, just the whole way that everything is flowing. And every time we attack, we think, yeah, could be a goal here. And you don't think it's going to come through to someone and they're going to put it wide. They're not going to go full Giroud and go 16 games without a goal. Lacazette's job isn't to score goals. We, we see that. Lacazette's job is like um, Pep um, at Man City. He's not playing as a striker. Everyone around him is the one scoring the goals and setting the stuff up. I mean, for Lacazette, I think he's got four assists in eight games. So at the age of thirty, coming. Yeah, he's actually got more assists. He's actually got more assists this year than Bruno Fernandes. Well, that's not hard. He ain't got anything really, has he? Apart from temper tantrums. Oh yeah, but, but Bruno for... Fernandes is world class. Oh yeah, he's, his days of going to Barcelona are, are long gone. He'd probably have to go back to Portugal. But yeah, we probably. see that for for Lacazette to adapt his game at thirty and to get grief for it, and to be captain, and all these things together, and it's working. And we have we have said for for a while, could we play uh, a formation like Man City with no strikers? And it seems that we we almost can. And even when Eddie comes on, Eddie Eddie plays um, probably wide left. Martinelli is a striker. He's he's playing on the left, or he can play on the right. And then, like we saw when, when Man City played Man United at the weekend, ninety-two percent possession. At times, that that's the only that's the, the direction we're going to go in. That's the the thing that they need to work on is keeping the ball, keeping the possession, and, and the turnaround we've seen from Party. He got um, Arsenal Player of the Month, didn't he? he? Did. Um, Although I've, I'd have to have a steward's inquiry about that. I'm Odegaard. afraid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely correct. Yeah. But it's nice that just it's the fact that he's doing it and he is having Absolutely. back-to-back good games. And Xhaka, um, I saw one of your tweets, Souls, where you're saying that um, Xhaka is going to be a lot harder to replace than some Arsenal fans think. Xhaka is Xhaka's working his ass off. And also, Xhaka has changed his position. The two of them are swapped. Xhaka used to be the one that stayed back and swept up. But now Xhaka's getting a little bit more forward. The only thing I would moan about is them uh, constantly uh, shooting when they know they, they keep going full John Jensen, and I don't like that. But it's the whole thing. I'm excited. I want more games. I want us to be playing five times a week, Craig. I Can you now. imagine when Party scores against Liverpool from 30 oh, yards? Spurs. Or Spurs. Or in the last Rose against Spurs. In the last minute of injury time. Oh! <laughs> My hope. My hope is that when we get to that Spurs game, it won't matter because it'll be yeah. right at the end of the season and we'll be seven points clear in top four. So I can just sit there and have my cousin and my mates who are Spurs fans messaging me going, well, we've scored with whatever it is. I don't care. We're top four. So you do what you like. Yeah. That's, yeah. What I'm, that's <laughs> my personal hope. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? It is It is my personal hope that, that when that derby 
it would, it's so funny you say when that derby comes around, I want it to be it, a derby against Spurs is never meaningless, but you know where I'm coming from. When you, it would be a, it would be fantastic just to sit back um, and 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 watch watch a derby. Yeah, I'd be, I, yeah, I'd be pissed if we lost, but just for them all to be like you said there, just to be texting. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, are you in the Champions League? Oh no, you're not. Nah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Have a nice day. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love never, that to come back. I'd love that to come back. What are you saying, Dan? In the history of football, has a team gone Champions League, Europa League, Conference League, no league? And that's the way they're going. <laughs> what a drop. I mean, they should be called Stats FC because the only glory they get is by tweeting absolute nonsense about stats. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I'm not even going to entertain no. the discussion that I've seen on social media today. Sorry, not entertaining it at all. If you that kind of debate wants me to go downstairs and stick, uh, <laughs> in your head in a broken washing machine, eyes, yeah. <laughs> just wash them with bleach. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely unbelievable. But anyway, look, we'll let them have their, we'll, we'll let them have their, uh, we'll let them have their say. One stat left to talk about. Arsenal were the fourth side, only the fourth side since the Premier League began, to have three players, 21 or under, to score five times in the Premier League. The other teams that done it were Leeds, 98-99, Manchester United, 95-96, and Chelsea, 2019-0-0. You win nothing with kids. You win nothing with kids, old Alan Hansen. God, I tell you what. I wonder, did he ever sit still sit back and think, oh, I shouldn't, oh, God, oh, I shouldn't have said that, should I? Um, but that testament to Mikhail Arteta, again, for, for showing the faith in these young lads, Chris. Yeah, 100%. I'm going to make a prediction. 10 by the end of the season. You said five. We're going to have three players under 21 on 10 goals by the end of the season. Balls on the line. Let's do it. Be nice, souls. That's a nice. It's a nice stat, isn't it? I, you know, I, I don't like really going into stats because you know stats. Uh, the, the only stats I, I worry about are the points on the board. But looking at it and reading it again, you know, it's it, it, it's just showing where you know where we're going and and you know and how far these young players really have come on. No, hundred percent. I think when you think about the criticism they got coming into the season. You know, Bakayo Saka can't score goals. He can, he doesn't have output. He doesn't have end product. You know, same with ESR. He just he made his career at Chelsea. You know, all of that. And then Martinelli, the only moment he's got is the run he did to slip Conte. They've turned that around. A lot of opinions have changed. And for me, that if they're doing it at sort of twenty, you know, nineteen, twenty, what will they become? This is just the beginning where they're learning. They're still developing their craft and perfecting what they need to do. And they're getting. Well, nearly, I think all three of them are nearly double figures, sort of for goal and assist. I think Martin is the only one who doesn't have that. You know, ESR is on nine goals. You know, Saka's on eight, I believe, or seven. Yeah. So, I... um, yeah, eight. So you know, he's two away from being double figures there. And then Martin Lee's not far away. But when you think he missed half a season, you know, being mm-hmm. in and out of the team, uh, it's it's brilliant to see how ruthless they are because that's one of the things we missed in Arsenal was players who wanted to be killers. You know didn't just sit for one nils or two nils or you know just like two ones and then just sit back on it they want to keep going they want to and even when you listen to them they're like 
oh, I'm trying to train on this and develop this. You know, when you look at Bakayo Saka from last season, his his right foot is so much better. He scored, I think, two or three of his goals have come from his right foot and his crossing, and he's become unpredictable. ESR always had that in him to be two-footed and use both his feet. Now it's just Martinelli, whether he can develop that and, you know, kind of follow on that. I just think it's incredible to have three players under 21, you know, arguably fighting for sort of top positions within the Premier League, let alone youngsters. You can put Bakayo Saka up there as one of the best Premier League wingers right now. Not the best, but arguably one of the best. Obviously, you've got your Salas and your Manes and your Mahrezes who probably are a little bit better. But um, he's fighting up there. And, you know, even Martelly, to get Jurgen Klopp coming out and saying you're generational, it, it is a big statement. And to go and back that... If I'm excited, like let's let's put it as it is, you know, Josh Gronke said it. Yeah, he's got us, man. We are excited to see what this team can become. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I the excitement is back, like we all said earlier on. The excitement is back um about this current crop of Arsenal players. Let's hope um that Mikhail Arteta can keep them all together. I'm pretty sure he will because the way from where I'm looking, they all look pretty invested um in what it is he wants to do there. Let's We've just hit the hour mark. It's been an absolute pleasure to sit here tonight and talk about Arsenal with you, as always. Um, thank you very much indeed. Danny boy, what's going on with the Bergy Wonderland this week? Anything coming up? <clears throat> yeah, midweek, Wednesday. Um, I'm not sure what time, probably about 7.30, 8.30. It's uh, Nick and me and I think Femi said he's coming on. And there might, might be one other. And later tonight, eight, in about three and a half minutes, I'm over on the Arsenal over and over and over and over again with Rich and a couple of others and Dorsey and someone whose name I don't remember. Um, so I'm going to be over there after. Yeah, it's uh, it's a happy time to be a Gooner, Craig. Hey, isn't it just? Isn't it just? Chris? A blog in the morning, sir. A blog in the morning. Where can people find it? Yes, uh, suburbangunas.com. I did a piece today about Kieran Tierney, actually, um, which was funny that about Harry wrote, Harry wrote view. a piece about Kieran Tierney yesterday <laughs> as well. I, I, I missed your one. I'm going to have to read that. Yeah, I didn't copy him. I didn't know he'd written it. So now it looks like <laughs> I've copied him, but <laughs> I have to write about something else now. Copy and paste. Yeah. <laughs> And Souls, man, you've got your own YouTube channel on the go as well, haven't you, mate? Where can people find you? Yeah, literally just Guna Souls on Twitter. Pretty much post anything that I'm doing on there. And um, a lot of unpopular opinions now as well, you know, especially the Granny Shaka ones riled a few names. And uh, so, yeah, and um, me saying, you know, Bakayo Saka is the best young English player right now. So riled a few rival fans as well. So um, that, it's been interesting. So you can follow me on, on them platforms there. Get over and follow the lads um, on Twitter. Uh, follow them. You know, you're not going to be disappointed. Thank you very much to everyone who stayed with us and watched us live. Over 130 of you, Peak. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you for all the questions. Thank you for all the comments um, in, the, in, the, in the chat box. If you're listening on audio, thank you very much to you too. We are back on Thursday night at half past eight uh, with Amanda and the Always Arsenal show. She is interviewing um, actor Terry Stone. If you don't know who Terry Stone is, Terry Stone played, um, I've forgotten his name, but he was in Rise of the Foot Soldier, the one with the big blonde weird. That's him. Um, and I think he was one of the main characters um, in the film Once Upon a Time in London. Very, very good actor. Um, Amanda will be interviewing him on Thursday night at half past eight. So tune into that one. 
We'll see you again on Monday for the same old Arsenal podcast, the same Motley crew. Let's hope we'll be talking about three points again. Let's hope we'll be talking about Spurs losing. Until we see you again, take care of yourselves and each other and up the Arsenal. Sports Social Podcast Network.